Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone what's happening it is jay scott and it is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast hope you are all doing well hope you are enjoying the beginning of fall and football season and all that entails thanks again for tuning in don't forget to write us a review reviews are important to our show just like they are with any podcast and we are also part of the pantheon podcast network great network of music related podcasts and also the official podcast platform for metallica so check out their podcast on their on our platform, as well as many other music-related podcasts. There's something for everybody, vintage vinyl, great album discussions, you name it, we got it, a great KISS podcast. So uh, it's really a home for all things music-related. You can find them at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pantheon Pods. And you can do the same with the Hook Rocks and all three of those platforms. Just search us up on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And don't forget to set your app, whatever app you use for podcasting, to automatic downloads. So you get the latest episode right to your phone. And you can enjoy some of the older episodes that we've done recently. We recently had Tracy Guns uh, from LA Guns talking Eddie Van Halen when we celebrated the third year of his passing. He talks about his friendship with him and all the amazing experiences he had throughout his career with Eddie. It's a really uh, incredible episode. We also broke down and reviewed the top albums of the third quarter, which I hope you all will enjoy. And we had some great new music spotlights with Brett Emmons from Glorious Sons. We had Labros G from the Stoner Rock Band 1000 Mods. And we also welcomed Aaron Jones as well, and also up-and-coming bassist Rachel Bello. We've got another awesome episode, an episode I've been looking forward to here since I booked the interview. And it's a band that uh, is returning and a frontman that has returned to the band. And that is Jared Weeks from the band Saving Abel. What's happening, man? How are you? 
What's going on, man? I, I mean, I'll tell you what's happening. I'm I'm on the 60th floor of the Mandalay Bay staring at Allegiant Stadium right now, and I don't like heights. Nice. <laughs> nice. Does Mandalay Bay still have two bikini-clad women playing catch with a parrot in the lobby? Hold on. I'll be right back. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was at Mandalay Bay, gosh, years ago, and I'm in the lobby, and I'm walking by, and I see these two beautiful women in bikinis, and they're th- and they're holding their arms out, and a parrot or some exotic bird is flying <laughs> to them. They're like playing catch with the bird, and I just walked by, and I as I got to my room, I, I was puzzled in that walk because I'm like, did I just see what I thought I saw? <laughs> like I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Only in Vegas, right? Yeah. I'm like, what did, what did I just experience there in that brief 15-second walk through the lobby? You know, like that was insane. So, yeah, yeah, find out for me. Let me know if that uh, if that's And how to book them. How do we get them at our next party? How do they open up for you? You know? That's yeah, the- for real, for real. <laughs> well, again, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Um as we always do every time we have a first-time guest on the show, we ask the same first question, and that's really what the show is all about. Just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock right. band has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? I was 17 years old. It was the uh, Mid-South Fair in Memphis, Tennessee at, what was the name of the, the park there? Liberty Land. Liberty Land was the name of the park. Uh, it was an amusement park there in Memphis. I was 17 years old. My aunt and uncle brought me to see um, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Uh, to me, he's one of the greatest blues musicians, guitarists ever. Um, I, I, I knew, like I grew up in a, a religious background, uh, Baptist, Pentecostal, that I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music, should I say, you know? Um, so being 17 and having, you know, my family members take me to go watch Kenny Wayne Shepherd, uh, I'll never forget it. Like once I saw that uh, him up there playing, uh, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I didn't know how to get there, but I knew what I wanted to do. So thank you, KWS. You're my favorite. So when you saw Kenny Wayne Shepherd, was it hooking you on rock and roll? Was it? I it was to... well. Blues is the basis to rock and roll. I, mean, I, I grew up eighty miles from Memphis, so like I grew up forty miles north of Tupelo, which is where Elvis Presley was born. Blues has always been around uh, around me, you know, where I grew yeah. up. Uh, so blues is always the basic form of rock and roll for myself. Um, and at that point in my life, you know, I'd never been to any show other than like a Christian show. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so to actually, it was almost kind of like, you're not supposed to be there, but look at this guy and he's playing the guitar and look at these lights and holy crap, that guy can sing. And just all those things combined together. I didn't even know what a production was. I was 17. I was still in high school, but the feeling I got watching him on stage, uh, cause I was, that was during, I was learning to play guitar, uh, during that time period. And uh, he was just one that caught my ear and then actually getting to see him play. It really just sealed it for me. I was like, I want to do that. How do I, how do I do that? Uh, my heart's always been in rock and roll. Um, so, I, I mean, 
I guess that just came naturally, but, but doesn't it come naturally to most of us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> like I, I was raised, I was raised Christian and all that. And once I found rock and roll, it's like, I'll be back later. You know? <laughs> and it, it's so true. I mean, I, I talked to people my age and, and older and a little bit younger and they're like, man, my kids just don't, don't like rock music. And I, and I took my son when he was five, to his first rock concert in down in yeah. Kentucky on, the, on uh, the Kentucky Ohio border right there in Newport, and uh, he's been hooked ever since. And I and I tell my friends, I go, take your kids to a rock show. Yeah, I well, think a lot has to, to do with the experience itself. Right, yeah, right. Either it's, they get it, they see the power, how much power music has. Yeah. It's like floating in the air above the crowd. Absolutely, I think that's really important, man. I say that at shows too. I'm like. Sometimes I'll see kids there and I'm like, props to you, parents. You know, I think that's really awesome. Because once a kid sees something like that, where there's this band playing on stage and they're singing, the crowd is singing and they're clapping and they're yelling and all that synergy is giving me chill bumps, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how as a young kid, do you see that? Do you not go, this is awesome? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and like when, when I tell, you know, people take your kid to a rock show, they're like, well, I don't know if that's appropriate. I'm like, do they have a cell phone? Yeah. I'm like they're looking at way worse things on a cell phone than they could see at a rock concert. Absolutely. They you probably know? see less, less, uh, worse things at a rock show than they do watch on the internet. <laughs> right. You know, and, and my son got back. We got back from that Kentucky show and I bought him like a year before that. I bought him one of those guitars that has like those color dots on it yeah just by color coordination yeah yeah yeah. and he i was it was in his closet he never touched it you know he he never you you know he wasn't interested in it we got home he went up to his room and i walked by his room he's on his bed and he's trying to play the guitar and i go hey (laughs) what are you doing he goes he goes, I want to learn how to Way play. Way to go, guitar. Dad. Yeah. And I'm like, my work is done. My work is done. <laughs> you know? so, but no, man, it, it's it's such a beautiful thing to see a young kid experience that. And, you know, there's so many opportunities to do that. And also, it gets them out of the house. And yeah. also, if they like an instrument or they like a band, they're going to be less likely to play video games. They're going to be less likely to to be on social media because they're going to be listening to music. They're going to be playing music. That's going to be their jive. Yeah, I, I used to, you know, back in the day, uh, like I said, I, I really couldn't listen to secular music until, until Columbia House, buy one, get 10 free. Uh, so I remember it was the year P.O.D. came out, you know, and they're sort of Christian. And I'm explaining to my mom, I'm like, Mom, they're totally, you know, they're totally Christian, man. So let me get this CD. So she ended up letting me get that. And like, uh, I remember it was Oasis. And uh, Everclear, that was one on the list that I listened to. Hoobastank. So that was really my first taste of, like, getting to bring rock and roll home because it wasn't in the house, you know. And I sort of had to be like, Mom, they're they're Christian, you know. Uh, But so glad I did. So glad I did, man. How how was that like or what was that like growing up in in a Christian family like that and then bringing rock and roll in? Was there a struggle between you and your parents to to listen and to play music? I think my parents were really good at, uh, as far as the rock and roll, I think that they, they either felt my energy or they saw that, that how important it was to me and, and what it did inside of me to bring out, I don't, the talent or, or whatever Like you know, as a, as a father, I have three kids. And if I see my kids are good at something, 
I invest in that. I mean, we're we homeschool because at any moment I could get up and have to go on tour and do this or that. My first kid was raised on a tour bus, but that's one of the reasons we homeschool though. I, I feel like we'll find more geniuses and prodigies that way, you know, rather than just running them through a, here's eight hours, do what you're told, see you later. You know, like, I feel like that we can focus on the things that we're better at, uh, you know, and, and we'll find more smart prodigies that way. But I think that's sort of the way how my parents saw it in me, uh, being raised in the church. You know, my mom was a choir director. My grandmother played the piano. I learned how to harmonize at a young age and, and all that. But I believe that when I started getting in 17 and growing older, that, they saw what it did to me, how happy it made me, where my heart was at with it. And I mean, what else can you do as a parent other than support that, you know? And I mean, I ain't going to lie, like Addicted wasn't my mom's favorite song. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, but my mom and dad have always been there to support me. And I think whether they agree with whatever music or blah, 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 the fact is that they supported me a hundred percent. Uh, is one of the main reasons I'm here as well. Christian music or not, you know, but, uh, and that's, and I'm really grateful for that. Thanks mom. Thanks dad. <laughs> you mentioned the blues and how you were always around the blues growing up too, as well. What were yeah. some of the, the blues artists that you gravitated towards? Uh, the first blues, blues artist I ever gravitated towards uh, was because I was just first introduced to Kenny Wayne Shepherd, but from Kenny Wayne Shepherd, I went back. Like I, I read, uh, you know, magazine articles and things like that about Kenny Wayne. And there was a story of how um, when he was just a little kid and I think it was in Louisiana, I may be wrong, but it was in a, let's just say Louisiana. Cause I think that's where he's from, but he tells a story about how his dad brought him to see Kenny, uh, to see uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan when he was a little kid. And Kenny tells this story about how his, you know, his dad, he kind of just sits him on the amp. And he talks about sitting there and watching Stevie Ray play. Like, that is when I got plugged into Stevie Ray Vaughan. Now, I don't, I mean, you might be a Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, but we all know that once you plug into Stevie Ray Vaughan, you're going to go deep into that hole. So uh, then I started learning about Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble with Chris Lemitt and Tommy Shannon. Uh, and so once I started learning about that, See, Kenny Wayne would come back every year to the Mid-South Fair. So I've seen Kenny Wayne, like, probably, I, well, I've seen him probably 10 times, but I know, like, four or five were there at Liberty Land at the Mid-South Fair. So the next year, Kenny Wayne brings Chris Levent and Tommy Shannon from w, Double Trouble. So I'm sitting there watching, you know, my hero, Kenny Wayne Shepherd play with Double Trouble. So, like, in my mind, it's like, Stevie Ray Vaughan playing with Double Trouble. So, I mean, that was just one of the coolest things to me, man. Uh, um, and then, of course, from there, you know, you find, you know, Bo Diddley. You've got people like, obviously, B.B. King. I mean, I'm from close to Memphis, you know, but he was always around. And then you have Elvis, obviously. Of course, he was using the blues, you know, to to get popular. Uh, so it's sort of, I mean, just being in the South, in the Delta, in Mississippi alone. I mean, you, you hear these stories, you know, B.B. King walked from his house in Mississippi all the way up to, to Memphis, you know? So it's just kind of in, it's in the soil there. So whether you, you are looking for it or not, blues is just always around. Uh, I also love the fact that blues, that you can sing about it from the heart 
on your worst day ever and it can still be something as beautiful, you know, as the sun in the sky, man. I just, I love that about music. Uh, it's obviously helped me deal with life, but, um, I'm a huge blues fan. I mean, that's just where my heart's at, man. And, and Kenny Wayne Shepherd and Stevie Ray Vaughan were the staples in that for me. You know, it's amazing too about the history of blues because it started in the Delta. Yeah, there's so many different styles. There's Chicago, there's Louisiana, there's the right. Delta, there's Memphis. But, but, but Chicago blues has its roots in the Delta because the, pop- the population Yeah, that just flashed up and said this is a national test for the... Oh, I should be getting mine pretty soon too then. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what that was. <laughs> But but it has its roots. The Chicago blues has its roots in the Delta, in the Delta. because it came from Louisiana. Right. They would travel back and forth there. Because the transformation of the population because of industry, because of manufacturing and all that stuff started to move north from the south. And all those families migrated to home. Um, Brought it with them. And I got mine going on, too, now. Oh, did it do it with you, too? Yeah. All right. Um, it, it, it was with the migration of the population due to the, you know, industrial revolution and all that kind of stuff. So it's settled in Chicago and Chicago, of course, is known for Chicago blues. But I mean, I remember growing up as a kid. I mean, blues was always around, you know, because yeah. it was Chicago, Buddy Guy yeah. and uh, John Lee Hooker, John Lee Hooker baby. Magic Sam and Otis Rush and all those guys. And and uh, I just took my nephew I think in December, January, uh, he just turned 21 and I, we went and saw Buddy Guy at his place in Chicago. Oh, wow. And he's it's more of a, wow. you know, he, he's more of a metal kid. He's into like, you know, Alter Bridge and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm taking it. Good taste season. still though. What's that? Good taste still though. Alter Bridge, man. Come on. Yeah. Come yeah on. Good taste. Good taste. So I'm, I'm like, I'm taking to see Buddy Guy. And he's like, why? I go, cause you need to see Buddy Guy. I'm like, yeah. you love music. It's like everything else comes from here. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like he's one of the he's the last of the OGs. You know, yeah. like he is the last that, one. Right. And I go, I go. He's eighty seven, and I go. Someday when he does pass, you can always say that I got to see Buddy Guy, and they'll be so good cool. looking out, pops. Yeah. Way to go, Dad. That's awesome, man. So yeah, blues is. I've always had a, a love affair with blues, and you know, and how it ties into rock and roll and. All the bands. I mean, there's always some blues element in every rock band. Yeah. Um, it may not I be at the forefront, may not be at the forefront, but it's there. It's there. Oh, you'll find it. Yeah, you'll find it. If you just look, you'll find it yeah. or listen. So Saving Able, you're you're reconnected with the band that you co-founded. You've got a new single coming out. You've got a tour on the books that's ready to begin. What was that like for you? reconnecting with this band and, and, and becoming part of this band again? Well, let me tell you, it happened during the isolation. We remember that wonderful time during American history. Uh, yeah. So um, obviously during the isolation, uh, I, I just bought my first house ever, moved my family in, closed the deal. The very next day was stay at home orders. So it's like, as soon as we get moved in, it's like, well, I guess I got a lot to do. Good thing. I can't go nowhere. You know, I, I gutted the kitchen. I washed dishes in a kiddie pool for six months with a water hose. It's crazy. Um, but during that time period uh, was the time period in my life. You know, it was the George Floyd incident. It was Trump. It was the 
pick a side political party time. It was just weird for everybody. Nobody really knew what was going on or how to feel about it. Um, but I was also, you know, on a path, a journey to where I was changing my life from, from the person that I used to be, you know, I had, I had drug problems. I had, uh, I mean, just so many things going on in my life that I didn't know how to do. I didn't, I didn't have the tools actually to live life cranked all the way up to 11. You know what I'm saying? Um, so basically, uh, was when I asked myself, have you ever heard the, the quote, you know, be the change you want to see in the world? Because I was watching this stuff on TV and on the news and I was just like, what the hell is going on here? Um, so I thought, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, you know, and used to when people would say that to me, I'm just like, Jesus, will you shut up? Like, you don't even know what you're talking about, you know, like, go away, sir. Uh, now being on the other side, I'm like, be the change you want to see in the world, you know, but that's when I took that literal, um, you know, to change to be the change you want to see in the world, you have to change yourself. And in order to do that, you have to change from the inside, your core, your core vibration. You're trying to change that. And that means doing shadow work, uh, things like, you know, things that you're not proud of, things that you're ashamed of, things you're guilty of. You got to sit down with those things and you need to heal with them. Uh, so I was during that journey, during the process, during the isolation, be the change you want to see in the world. So I took that literal. I started doing that. Uh, it was also during the time when, uh, Shine Down, Smith and Myers put out their acoustic album, the double disc, cover songs, some originals. I was sitting there listening to that and I'm reminiscing back in the day, Jason and I, we were an acoustic duo before Saving Abel called Shade of Grace. And we wrote tons of songs. Uh, some of them ended up being Saving Abel songs, like 18 Days, Drowning, uh, Running From You, like I Can, Beautiful Day, like all these songs that we wrote as Shade of Grace ended up being Saving Abel songs. But the songs that we didn't, Converge over to Saving Abel. Uh, I got to thinking about those and I called Jason up, you know, and I was like, Hey, you ever think about those songs that we wrote 20 years ago? And he's like, man, all the time, you know, and at this point, musicians are looking for a way to make money. I mean, we're, we're playing live in our garage at this point for people who's watching on Facebook. Uh, so let's see. So basically, <clears throat> um, I, I saw that album. I asked Jason, you know, hey, do you ever think about those songs? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, what, what's to stop us from just going in acoustically, recording these songs, releasing them? It's like, hell, Coffee House Rock will play that. I know they will, you know. What else are we doing? So from then, uh, you know, we got in the studio and, and we started, we recorded like six of those songs. It's called Shade of Grace 20 Year Songs. Uh, but as I was in there with Jason and we were recording and with Skid, uh, our producer, uh, the Saving Able Tripod has always been Jason, Jared, and Skid, like the producer who's done all three of the albums and now the fourth album that we're currently working on. Grammy Award winning producer here. Uh, we get in the studio and we start recording these songs. And obviously the universe had something differently planned, you know, because we sort of just gelled together. And the next thing you know, we were writing Saving Able songs. And, and I gave Jason a call and I was like, hey, man, I am ready to take my life back. And he's like, man, I've been waiting on you to say that. Let's get started. Uh, so obviously, you know, made some rearrangements and, and got back with Saving Abel. Uh, still recording the new album. We've got two more songs left before we're finished. We've released two singles, Baptize Me and Fire, we released not too long ago. Uh, I think it's at 31 now on the rock charts, which is amazing for us because that hasn't happened in like 12 years, over a decade. Uh, so hashtag grateful for that as well. But um, I'm really more excited about 
the content of these songs, you know, because for us, it's not really about egos and girls partying. I guess I could say that uh, anymore. You know, for me, I have, I'm on more of a mission of, you know, I've been on both sides. I've had the best and I've had the worst. Uh, and I see it every night at our shows. You know, people do forget. I can see the look on their faces. They forget how valuable they are, how worthy they are for their own life. And I feel like the mission for me these days uh, is to be the light worker, to be the bridge between those two. You know, um, I need people to understand. I want them to feel better about themselves after talking with me. You know, that's just sort of how I live my life these days. But I need folks to understand that they don't have to live that way, you know. They can be the change they want to see in the world. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But uh, we do. We my, my message is that we we do have. We are very brilliant and powerful people. That's who we are. Every single one of us, and we are very worthy. We are very valuable, and we are very worthy of living our lives. And uh, I want folks to know that that we write our own stories, and that you can be your own hero. Hell, you're the one writing it. So it's time to it's time to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and discover the power that we have for taking the control back over the, and the power in our lives. Um, I feel that that we need a lot more of that these days. You know, mental health and things like that we're not supposed to talk about, and it's all I got to talk about. So it's like you know, I use what I got, and uh, I'm pretty grateful and uh, for who I am and, and where I've come from and where I'm at right now. So uh, I'm loving the journey. I'm I'm just ready to rock and roll some more. You know. Yeah, my favorite quote, it's kind of similar to yours. It has kind of the same elements is don't be the infection, be the cure. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. 
Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. You know? Boom! Yeah. And, I'm uh, with you on that one, man. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're rediscovering yourself, and you know you're having that healing process, you know, coming yes. from what you had to now where you are, you know, where you're at now. When when were, did you realize that you were ready to move forward? Because you know, when you have those conversations with yourself, you're not ready. You're in the process of getting ready, right? I mean, right. you got to stay present and you got to. I can answer this so easily and so quickly, man. I've never been asked that question before, but when you asked it, my brain went immediately to fear. Fear. That's when I realized I was ready to move forward because fear, a lot of us look at it as a negative, bad thing. We're scared of that. We don't want that. But I'm here to tell you that nothing that's ever worth anything comes easy. You have to work for it. So sitting down with fear, those things I'm ashamed of, afraid of, scared of, sitting down with fear, having conversation with fear, fear actually teaches us a lot about ourselves that we didn't know. And one of the biggest things I learned in therapy, uh, my biggest fear was being alone. Not so much anymore, but back when I was going through this was being alone was my biggest fear. And I've had a few, I don't call them problems, I call them opportunities, but I had a few opportunities in the past few years to to lean into fear. I mean, I'm scared as crap, you know, but on the other side of it, (laughs) on the other side of fear is some of the greatest things in the world. And once I leaned into the, to that fear and at that moment in my life, things I was scared of, once I leaned into it and I came out on the other side, it wasn't my biggest fear anymore. I wasn't scared of being alone anymore. I leaned into it and it, it taught me, as I've already said today, that we are powerful human beings. And that we can, can can take control of our life and we don't have to let fear rule us or scared us out of this or or scare us into this. So once and I'm not saying I've accomplished fear, I'm learning to work with it. I'm learning to to learn from it. Fear is an absolute fantastic teacher. And I feel as if once once I leaned into it and I discovered what was on the other side of it, uh, that's when I was like, OK, let's go. Let's move forward. Let's keep pushing, you know, and and. There's my answer to that one, man. I didn't know what else to say. It just kind of came out that way. But fear is is definitely not something to be scared of. You know, it's, it's okay to live with a bit of discomfort, right? Yeah. You, you, you got to learn. That's just it. It's only going to be uncomfortable for a second. Yeah. Just for a second. It's it's like change. Uh, I heard a guy on TikTok. Obviously, I don't get all my info from TikTok, but being transparent here, it was such a great analogy. The guy said change is like a new shoe. You first put it on and you start walking and it's, it's just a little uncomfortable. You know, you feel lost. Well, you should feel lost if you've never been somewhere before. It's not bad to feel lost, but you put that shoe on and it feels uncomfortable. The more you keep walking in it, it molds to your foot. 
And then it becomes easier to walk. It becomes daily new habitual behaviors. It becomes positive. It becomes affirmations. It becomes looking at the positive in the most negative situations ever. And that's what it's taught me. I mean, I don't, I'm just proud of who I am, the commitment I made to myself and how far I'm getting along this journey. I've learned how to love myself and even better than, than I had before. And uh, I'm just loving the journey. So yes, there, period. <laughs> how did you, how did this, you know, re how, introducing yourself to yourself again, how did that affect your creativity? Well, I think, I don't know how to answer this one. That's not, a, that's not a hard question. I think back in the day, you know, being 19, 20, 21, you know, you try to look at what being famous is like. You try to look what playing arenas and being on tour and traveling the world and this and that. You try to picture it in your head of what it is. And, of course, you know, my, my 19, 20-year-old self was like, we're going to party like it's the 80s. It's going to be this way forever, you know. And we did do that. I definitely did do that. And I wouldn't change any of it. But in, in my head, I thought this is what it's supposed to be like. Girls, money, drugs, sex, rock and roll. Now, like having lived that life and gone through the change that I'm to who I am now. My songwriting process is more about hope. It's more about inspiration. It's more about motivation. It's more about growing and learning and, and being responsible for yourself and, and making room, you know, mentally for the capacity to handle it as you get more and more in love with yourself and more and more comfortable with who you are. And the more you know yourself, the further you keep growing. That's what I write about now. That's what this whole album is about to me. It's about how to, to motivate and inspire people to, to, like bands like Shine Down, like songs like it's just a symptom of being human. Like, are you kidding me, man? That song spoke to me so much, and and right now it's speaking to just millions of people. And that's what I want to be like. I want people to feel better about themselves after talking to me. I want people to hope. Hope's not a four letter word. Shine Down said that as well. Sorry, I'm on my Shine Down kick today, but. That band really has motivated me because I've got to watch them from 2008 to now. Like I was on tour with them in 2008 and I watched this whole thing take place. And that's where I see Saving Able, you know, uh, but but mainly, you know, I'm not writing about all that stuff that I thought it was supposed to be like, whereas more now I'm writing about. Guys, we can do this. You have the power. Don't play the victim anymore. Get off that black couch. You can do it. So I'm just trying to spread that message, man. That's that's basically how I'm vibrating these days, dude. I just feel it's, it's almost an obligation for me to try to help others, man, because I know how they feel. I've been there, but I also know how I feel right now, and I want them here with me. You know, I, that's where I want people to, to be with. There you have it. <laughs> how you mentioned fear. You mentioned, you know, the things how over, overcoming it. Is there a fear that you have now years later after doing all the things you did, you know, when you were first rising up and becoming popular and now life is much different for you and going back into this band that was a part of that years ago, is there a fear of falling back into that? 
No, there's an awareness of it. There's an awareness. I There's a self-awareness. There's, now I've been to therapy for years and I've learned tools and I've been to detox and I've been to outpatient. Like I, but I didn't just go through those things. I, I actually was there to learn and retain and, and gather tools. And, but no, I, it's something I'm not scared of it because obviously I know I can do it. I've seen me do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things about being an addict. You know, one of the tools is rolling the tape forward. It's like, you know, if I was to walk in and there'd just be a bunch of girls and liquor in a room, I would immediately be like, yeah, I know myself. How y'all doing? I'll see y'all in a bit. And I would walk out because I rolled that tape forward in my head. I know how that movie ends. And I'm just, that's just something I'm not into anymore. I've, I've invested so much time and care and love into myself. And I'm not being like conceited or, or anything like that. I'm just saying like, I really didn't love myself that much. Like I really didn't. And going through all these, this path and this journey and, and therapy and, and all these things that I've been through, <laughs> I love who I am now. I'm proud of who I am now. And I don't, I don't plan on going back. I, I've been there. I've done that. So I just want to be an example for others. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm really not scared of, of that ever happening again. Can it? Will it? Maybe. I don't know. But all I can ever be. And this, I love this. All I can ever be or do is in the infinite here and now, because that's all there ever is. There is no past because it doesn't exist. There is no future because it hadn't happened. The only thing that we are ever a part of every time we wake up is right here, right now. That's it. Who are you right here and right now? That's what defines you. And right now, I'm happy. I love myself. I love the journey I'm on. I love the people I surround myself with. So I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> Finding the positive, you know? Absolutely. When you hear the new music, now that you're back in Saving Able, there's a journey, there's a story behind your path. Do you hear it in the music? Well, yeah, because, I mean, I know what I wrote it about and because I know how far I've come. But... I get excited when I'm listening to my own music, the new stuff. And I, I get excited when, and I get a little emotional thinking about this, but I get excited when after the song's over, I can sit back and go, that's what I was really trying to say. That's what I was really trying to inspire. That's what I was trying to motivate. Somebody's going to hear this and it's going to help them. That's what it's more like for me today. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just happy. And, and I feel like that the universe or God, however you want to put it, doesn't matter to me, has led me here. I feel like every decision, every drug I've taken, every wrong decision, every, every you know, this or that that I've done in my life, things that I'm not proud of, every single one of those things has put me on this journey and this path. and. I wouldn't change any of it because of who I am today. And that sounds so cheesy and cliche, but dude, I'm literally grinning right now because the things that I'm saying are my truth. Like there's no, I'm not hiding. I'm not lying. I'm not ashamed. We all have our own truths. And, and my truth is this is who I am. And this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. 
it's kind of fun. <laughs> when you're writing stuff like this now and you want to convey a message and you want, you want to get your point across, how do you filter that through all these experiences and what you want to say to be concise in a three to five minute song? Well, I don't know. I guess some of that just kind of comes out naturally and organically because you, you know, you might have a message, but you've got to find a clever way to word it with a nice melody that other people will then go, Oh, I like that. Now what's it really singing about? You know, like you've got to get, you've got to pull them in first. Uh, but I'll tell you a story. Like I've never written a song like this before, but when I first came back, uh, to saving able, Nikki and I, my wife were talking like, we should call this album, you know, from the damage. And when I say from the damage, I don't mean like, a burnt down city with, with buildings that are smoking and trees broken down. And I don't mean that when I say from the damage, I mean that life can still come from broken things. That's what I mean. And so I wanted to write a song called from the damage. Cause I felt like, you know, from my heart, like this is what it actually is. Like this is what I've come from. And uh, so we we tried to write it. Me and Jason tried to write it. We had a a, a, a song that came up, kind of sounded like Van Halen, but I was like, no, that's that's not what I was searching for. So then I thought maybe make it a power ballad, like Shine Downs, Call Me a Sinner, Call Me a Saint, you know. And I was like, no, that didn't work out. So I'm searching for this song, you know, because I needed it. I needed it for me. Um, so one night, my wife was getting ready for bed, and. And I'm sitting there watching King of the Hill or something. You know, I just kind of pass off, or pass out for like 30, 45 minutes. And I immediately wake up and I wrote down the entire chorus to this song. And it says, um, redemption came under my wings and lifted me up so I could see all the other things that made it harder for me to fly above the wreckage. But look what came from the damage. And the song sort of wrote itself. I woke up, I wrote that, that, those lyrics down and I immediately went, that's what I'm trying to say. That's the point I'm trying to get across. So I feel as if you're listening, truly listening and searching that the universe will always give you exactly what you need or God or however you want to put it. I'm not trying to put names on things. But I do know that if you're searching, you will find it because the universe has nothing more that it wants for you than to live a happy life. So that's what more it's about when it comes to songwriting these days. It's like, what makes me happy? How did I get here? What's something that I had to go through that would help? So, cause I know other people are going through this, but what's something I had to go through to, to be victorious? You know, life isn't about how much money you have or who's your girlfriend, your wife, or, you know, cars and all that. To me, abundance isn't about being financially stable. Abundance to me is having a rich life. You're surrounded by people who love you, people that would go to bat for you, people that would take up for you. It's, it's about, I want for nothing. I have everything I need in this life. And that's how I look at it. That's how I'm abundant. And, those material things that I used to look at, you know, the money, the girls, the fame and all that. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. It just, it doesn't sit with me like it used to, you know, uh, it existed, but 
don't know. It's just not really who I am anymore. I mean, it's a part of me, but like the things I'm talking about now, that's, that's who I am. This, this moment right here, right now, this is what defines me, who I am, what I'm trying to do, be a leader, be motivational, trying to help others know that they have the power within inside themselves that they can change their entire life. It, it's just uncomfortable for a second, just for a second. And that's it. It's almost like the song from the damage is <laughs> like one of my favorite phrases that I always use. Out of something bad, something good always happens. Absolutely. You can't have one without the other. There's a story that Mr. Rogers, I love Mr. Rogers, but I, I heard him tell this story once on some video I was watching. And this really helped me change my perspective on life. And I, I know it's like a video by Mr. Rogers, change your perspective on life. But it's like, yeah. Because I'm looking, I'm seeking for things like that. So here's the story. Uh, he said uh, when he was a little kid, he was at home watching the news on TV. And he said, I can't remember what happened. It was either a great flood or a hurricane or something that happened in some other country. And he said, I'm looking at the TV and, and, you know, the land is just demolished and there's dead. You know, people are not surviving and it just looks chaotic. And he said, I turned to my mom and I said, mom, what do we do? Like, how do we, what, what do we do? And she says, son, you look for the people that are helping. And that's where you'll find the love. That immediately, at the, like the age of 33, I was like, holy crap. Like, even in the worst of situations, if you're seeking and you're looking you find the people that are helping in those moments. If you think love doesn't exist there or that's where it comes from, you're crazy. And that basically has changed my perspective on life. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. But not everything's bad. These aren't problems. These are opportunities for me now. Like I have a problem with being impatient, but now I have an opportunity to show people how patient I am. Right, perspective and being grateful. First two ingredients in changing your life, folks. <laughs> what's next for saving able and you what when's the album come out uh when can we we're gonna announce the album coming out at the end of october uh we have the into the fire tour october 19th through december the 10th uh we're probably going to release another single at the end of november beginning of december we haven't decided uh yet but that's i'm just being transparent i'll let y'all in on the saving able uh um plans we got uh, but, and we're looking at, uh, starting next year, we, we talked about going out with Saving Abel and Dorothy, uh, and Seven Dust. Um, uh, we've talked about Cedar Tour that's coming up next year. We've got a lot of things that we're looking for the future and planning for. Um, and we're going to be ready. I mean, we are going to be ready. And, and it, like I said, it's one of those things of fear. Like, I'm not scared of that stuff anymore. I'm ready to get to work. I'm ready to start helping folks, man. I'm ready for people to feel like I do about themselves. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's pretty bright for us, man. We're, we're pretty happy, and we're just kind of floating down the river of we end up where we we end up, you know, and it, I don't care where that, that goes because I know that it's supposed to be there, and I know that I'm going to help somebody, and I know that life is going to keep continuing going on and getting better. So, man, I should be a motivational speaker. Who am I, David Ramsey? What is happening right now? I'm motivated. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I had six uncles and like four of them were preachers. I think that's where this comes from. 
Jared, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a blast getting to know you and, and talking with you about what's been happening. I really appreciate your honesty and I really appreciate your thoughts. Man, thank you so much for having me uh, here, man. Like, like I said, man, I really enjoy doing things like this. Um, uh, it makes me feel alive, you know. Uh, I, I love talking to people. I love meeting new people, and I love new situations and, and new places. And uh, like I said, Saving Abel's just ready to spread the love wherever we go, man. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that here today. Everyone, that is Jared from Save Saving Abel. I am Jay Scott from the Hook Rocks. All their information will be in the show notes. So when you're listening to the episode, scroll down and you'll see all the links to their website, social media, all that great stuff. Thank Jared again. What a great conversation. You guys all take care of each other. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk soon. Thank you. Fantastic to meet you, and thank you so much for having me, man. I'll see y'all next time. All right, brother. Thank you. See you, man. Bye-bye. Baptize me in the water. Heaven won't take my soul. Baptize me in the water. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.